Let's pray, guys. Father, we, we've already asked it, but we just ask again, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, we know there's something special that happens when we gather corporately in any setting, Lord, to hear your word and to love one another and to do these things, to serve each other, stir up good works and love one another as we see the day is approaching. And there's a day coming, Lord, we're going to read about it right now. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be in one of our kids' life, lifetimes. We don't know. But Lord, we're here in obedience to you, and we've been blessed before, and we know you want to bless us again. But Father, please please do that. We know you, we know you desire to. We pray this in your name. Amen. For Revelation 22, um, we've kind of, in chapter 21 and 22, I said this kind of glibly. I'm stealing this from John Corson. Uh, he said, you know, this, these two chapters are kind of like uh, a travel brochure of a coming kingdom, a coming reality. Uh, this is not, um, yeah, we're going to see some symbolic language here, things that we har are hard to understand or comprehend, you know, uh, the complete importance of it. But it, it, I, I think I've shared this before. It's kind of like what I thought marriage would be like before I was married. You know, there, I had ideas, I had thoughts, but then the reality of it came. And the reality of it for me has been, you know, 10 years in, it, it's only gotten better, you know. Um, and I believe that's the way that eternity will be. Um, and, you know, unlike my marriage, I'll, I'll be completely new. You know, there will be no problems originating from Sam. You know, uh, we'll be washed white forever. No sin there, nothing that defiles. So we've seen some amazing things. But the most important thing, or the most amazing thing about eternity, is who is there. And, you know, of course, we should start with what we can see, hear, and understand now. You know, um, my nephew that passed away, he will be there. Jess's mom passed away, she will be there. Believers, you know, that we read of in the pages of Scripture, they will be there. People that you love and have passed on that believe in God, they will be there. We will be there. That's a huge thing. But someone else, and it's kind of the center, centerpiece of, of heaven, you know, there's no temple in heaven. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are there. God is there. The Spirit is there. Jesus is there. And that person, man, we, we spend a lot of our time here looking for answers. I, I, I just ask you to consider this. You know, there are times where you know somebody else is hurting, right? And you, you're at a loss for what to say or what to do for them. And sometimes, look, and this isn't always the case. Maybe it's just because I'm simple. But sometimes the thing to do is not something to say. It's not something to do. It's, something, it's just going and being with them. And when I think of eternity, like there's lots that we don't understand here. There's lots of questions we go through like, well, why did this happen? And if God is good, why did this take place? And what's the deal with this? And I don't understand. And look, the answer is not intellectual. It's not actually even found information, informationally here. The answer is a person. The answer is a person that will never forsake us, he'll never leave us, never abandon us. He doesn't change. There is no turning. He delights in us, which should, you know, really perplex us. Why us? Why does he care so much about us? But as we continue, 
in a, in a minute. Some hot bikes over there. Hey, Josh Thornton, is it coming to an end? All right, there we go. If it's not planes, it's motorcycles. 11 o'clock, you know, 10.30, Sunday morning. This is, this is ground zero. So, Revelation chapter 22. Let's begin. And this angel that had been speaking to John, and he, the angel, showed me, that's John, in very advanced in years, uh, on the Isle of Patmos, not going to go back through everything we read so far, but he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Let's read a while. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. They shall, there shall be no night there. there, there they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, this angel, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, Jesus speaking now, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you don't do that. For I am your fellow servant, the angel speaking, and of, of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, Jesus speaking again, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify, John says, to everyone who hears the words of the, the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book, 
And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. So be it, John says. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last sentence in the Bible. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So as we start chapter 22, and it is my intention to go through this, and by no means, guys, can I replace what you can do on your own and spending time with the Lord and really digging in to Revelation and especially this chapter. It's what's ahead of us. And I, please do that. You know, you'll see, you'll see tons of other things that I'm just going to breeze past. And God is going to speak to you through His Spirit about what's here and what you have to look forward to and what can change your life right now. But let's just, we're going to go through it together, kind of in an overview. Um, in verse 1, this angel shows John a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. I'll just tell you what I think. I don't, I don't think all of this is symbolic. And so when he says there's a river of water of life coming from the throne, man, I, I think there literally is a river in this new Jerusalem coming from the throne of God. That's just, I mean, you say, oh, that's not deep. Well, let's go a little deeper. The water of life proceeds from where? Proceeds from the throne of God. Jesus came from where? When he came to this earth, when he put on human flesh and came down and he dwelt among us. Where did he come from? He came from the throne of God. God himself proceeded, life proceeds from the throne. It doesn't come from anywhere else. And Jesus Christ came down to this earth. It, it, it should amaze us, guys, because... He didn't have to. But He did. Life came down to us. It met us here. It proceeded from the throne of God and, John says, and the Lamb. And the whole Bible is about this concept of God saying, look, you're not going to make it up here. So I will come down to your level and make a way. I will do it at the cost of my son. I'll turn my back on him. I'll never turn my back on you. Life proceeds from the throne room. There's no real abundant life any other way. And yet we watch a world that is just struggling and straining and striving to find something of meaning somewhere else. Life proceeds from the throne. In the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life. So you're probably thinking, if you're reading this kind of closely, you're like, how could the tree be on both sides of the river and in the street? Well, I don't know. I think it's a really cool tree. Maybe multiple trunks, but I think it's just one tree that spans rivers and the street. Maybe you drive, you know, if you've ever been out to the giant, what is it, redwoods and sequoias, there are trees you can drive through. I'm just saying, I just take this kind of literally. If I go there and find out it's some beautiful symbol that I didn't understand, then cool. It'll be better than I even could imagine, right? In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. You know, where was the last time we saw the tree of life? The Garden of Eden. That was paradise lost. This is paradise regained. And I'm not that clever, so I didn't come up with that. Many people have said that. We see the tree of life again, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. 
Um, what will that be like? Uh, I don't know. Very interesting to me is, you know, apparently there's months in heaven. You know, there's months in this new heavens and a new earth. There's months in the new city. Uh, there's some kind of measure of time. I don't understand that, really. Maybe that means there's seasons, too. I don't know. Maybe we get to choose whether we just want it summer all the time or we want a little bit of fall but no winter or like February just goes away. Like February can be anything. I don't know. I'm just saying what the Bible says. There's months there. You know, but more importantly, the tree of life is there and life is coming from the throne. Everything is to sustain us. Everything is to bless us. You know, the, the, the lie in the garden from Satan to Eve was God's keeping something really good from you. That's not true. He said, God doesn't want you to know what he knows. But if you take this, you'll be like God and it will be awesome. Here we see God saying, no, 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 no. Life always comes through me. There's no other way. It comes through me. And he says, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So apparently, and what exactly does that look like? I'll just be honest with you. I don't know. That word healing um, is, I can't remember it in Greek, although we get our word for therapy from this word. You know, our modern word for therapy. And, you know, it helped remind me, and this is no this is no slam. There are some really incredibly gifted people in this world to help us with difficult things that we go through. But I have found no one in all my life that can replace what only God and the Spirit of God can do. And the Bible says he's my wonderful counselor, that he's my guide into all truth. And when you take God out of the equation, there's no therapy, there's no counseling that can really go deep enough to change your heart and soul. That is God's miraculous, wonder-working power. That's what He only can do. There's people that can help us for sure. But the leaves of the tree there were for the healing of the nations. I just, right now, the nations are raging, Psalm 2, against the Lord and His anointed. This world for thousands of years has hated Jesus as the Messiah. It has hated hearing that we need grace to have everlasting life. We can't earn it ourselves. And, you know, currently, we're in a crazy time. And to be honest, I see the world raging, going crazy. And sadly, I see the church raging just as much as the world. Out of control, frustration, bitterness, hatred, anger, violence. It's just all the time complaining about the present circumstances when we have this to look forward to. When we have promises, God, God, it's not like God's gone on vacation. He hasn't disappeared. We should not be raging like the nations. Think about that. It's so easy to slip into that as we talk with our co-workers or we meet with family. And we just slip into being frustrated with the current state of things. And not even just that, even expanding to your other life situations, which may be, for some of us, even more intense than this current crisis. Probably for most of us, it's that way. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's going to happen there. Nation is going to rise up against nation here until the end. 
People are going to hate each other here until the end. You know, I, I don't think we've seen a lot of that in our country, in our lifetimes. You know, uh, the, 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 the perils that come with war, the, 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 the disgusting thing. I mean, we've seen it for sure. The things that man can do one to another. But the real healing, the real therapy is going to take place there. That's when things are going to be totally made right. Even the Millennial Kingdom has a rebellion to mark its end, led by Satan. Verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Now there will be no more curse. Why? The curse came in the garden when mankind, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God. They believed Satan. Uh, Eve was deceived. Adam chose to directly disobey his Creator, and his God. And the curse came into effect in this world. Everything changed. Death entered. Pain entered. Sorrow entered. Difficulty entered. Toil entered. It all came there. So why is there no curse in eternity? Well, Jesus became the curse. That's what Scripture says. Cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. And Jesus hung on a tree and became the curse of God. God's wrath poured out on him instead of me and you for what we have done. He lived morally perfect life on the outside and the inside. And then he died for us to have eternal life. There shall be no more curse. And at the end of verse 3 it says, Us, his servants will serve Him. Remember that for a second. We're going to be serving Him through eternity. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no more night there. there they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I don't want to go on and on about this, but look, there is going to be the vindication of looking into the face of God. Like, you and me, we haven't gotten to live when Jesus walked the earth. They had a unique opportunity that we, we get to look forward to. We read about them, we have things that they didn't have. But look, there's a day when, you know, when we're afraid, when we're scared, when we're doubting, when we're, we're sinful, when we're... All kinds of different things happen in this life. There's a day coming when we will see God face to face. And there's a certain amount of vindication, meaning there's a certain amount of, I knew that this was true. Everybody told me to just give up on the whole God thing because you can't see him, can't touch him, can't feel him thing. And just, you know, just be a good person. But I knew that this was true. And he's been faithful to get me here. Everything he said has proven true. There's that moment of vindication, and it says His name shall be on our foreheads. Well, uh, you might think, well, I don't want a branded name on my, I don't know what that looks like, but I know that my wife is called by my name. I'm the bridegroom, she's my bride, and she took on my name. And that's what we'll have in eternity. You know, God Himself will say, you are permanently forever in my family. And we'll look back at our lives and say, really? What kind of love is this? that you have given us. And I'll say, it's my choice. My choice. You received it, you're in. You know, I remember, I don't know, this 
I, it doesn't even compare. But I can remember liking Jess, like before we got together, before she even knew I was interested in her, I was doing, I was trying to get her attention. And so I, uh, she has some, uh, you know, kind of like adoptive parents, not really, but yeah, kind of. Um, and I went to them first and I said, hey, I really like Jess, what should I do? And, they, and I said, why don't you like her mom and pass away a year before? They're like, go help her with her house. Like she's got all kinds of stuff, projects. So I would go, I'd bring all my tools and I would, you know, show up. And Jess, Jess and I were friends, but no more than that. I'd show up and I'd say like, hey, what, what do you need? Uh, what, what can I help you with? And thinking that would like really show her that I cared about her, I liked her, I loved, you know, that was, and uh, anyway, this one day I went over there and I, I like trimmed out a closet and all my tools were so rudimentary. It was, I can't believe I actually did the job with the tools that I had looking back, but I did. And uh, it was raining, much, uh, it was nighttime, but it took me all day to just trim out a closet. I, I struggled back then. And uh, at the end of the day, she helped me carry my tools to my car, which was sitting in her driveway. And I remember uh, loading my tools up, and I thought, boy, this, it was raining. She looked, you know, she looked tremendous. I was, you know, I just worked for all day. Like, man, this would be a good moment to, like, say, I'm really interested in you. But I tried to, I tried to say something I thought would be good. I said, uh, thanks for letting me come work on your house. And she says, you're welcome. And I just, I didn't have anything else to say, so I got in my car. Look, there was tremendous vindication where... A few, I think a month later, I'll spare you the story, but I wrote her a love letter, left it for her. The first line in the letter was, I intend to win your heart and marry you. And then I wrote as soon as possible, but I crossed that out. And uh, it took me years to tell her that I even included that. She knew that I'd cross something out, but anyway. About a month later, when she came up to me and said, I love you and I, uh, I want to marry you. There was a whole different, that was like, you know, I longed to see her face, but until that moment, she was just a friend. Like, there was no greater reality be beyond our friendship, but that was different. That was different. You know, and her face, the expression, what she said vindicated all of those actions. It, it, I got what I longed for. And it would be the same way with him. You know, the greatest thing about heaven will be the person of God. And we will see his face and he will call us by his name and he will light up our life forever. And look, in verse 5 it says, we will reign forever and ever. So now you're thinking, I hope you, I hope you caught it. You're like, whoa, it just told us that we're going to serve and now it's telling us that we're going to reign. Yeah, same thing. Serving is reigning in God's kingdom. Reigning is serving in God's kingdom. You know, Jesus sat at a table when his disciples, or he, he was talking to his disciples. Disciples were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. He says, no, no, no. In my kingdom, it's way different. Am I, you know, isn't the master the one who sits at the table and everybody serves him and he gets to eat first? He says, but look at me. I sit among you as one that serves. You know, some of you may, that kind of may like sour your, your view of heaven, but I, I don't think it should, you know. Uh, when I when I go on vacation with my kids, in a, if I'm thinking right, if I'm thinking in a godly way, I'm thinking about how can I bless my kids? What can I do to prepare them to, for us to have an incredible time? You know what that's called? That's serving. Yeah, I'm leading my family, but I'm serving while I'm doing it. And that brings me more pleasure. Loving my wife, loving my kids actually satisfies me more than kicking back and saying, Jess, when's dinner going to be ready? You know, the house isn't clean enough, you know, kids stop, you know, 
I'm actually satisfied in serving. We will reign forever because we will serve forever. We will serve forever and that will be reigning forever because that is the way that God is. God stooped to serve us and he loved doing it. And we, think about it guys, we'll bless one another through eternity. We'll bless one another. Some of you noticed, never mind, I don't even want to say that. Some of you know, never mind. Let that one go. We'll reign forever. We'll be serving forever. We'll be serving Him. We'll be serving each other. And it will be beautiful. Then He said to me, These words are faithful and true. This angel's like, Dude, I'm telling you the truth. This And the Lord God of the holy prophets, God Himself sent His angel to show His servants the things which must shortly take place. Jesus speaking, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is He who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Look, Jesus is going to say a couple of things in this last chapter. And every time he's speaking, do you know what he says? I'm coming quickly. I'm coming back. I definitely am coming. You know, the angel says, God definitely wants to show you the things that are coming. Jesus signs on. He says, I'm coming. We have this personal word from Jesus Christ, our Savior, saying, look, I know your life is crazy right now, but I am coming back. That day is approaching. What are you going to hold on to? Something CNN tells you? Something, you know, a presidential candidate tells you? Or the very words of Jesus Christ who saved your soul? I'd hang on to this. He says, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he, look, who keeps the words keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Look, if you haven't figured out it yet, if you haven't figured it out yet, there's something different between reading and keeping. Now, I can tell my kids, like my kids love to go on dates with me, I can tell them, hey, next week, Tuesday night, we're going out for ice cream. A whole different thing than, you know, me saying that, than me keeping the date and going out with them and proving that what I said was true. You know, Jesus asks us to keep his words, not just read them. I don't think that's that hard to figure out, guys. These words should matter to the point where we are seeking to follow Him and live this stuff out. And when we fail, confessing it and seeking help so that we can keep these words. We're going to talk about that a little. This concept keeps coming up as we finish out this chapter. Now I, John, saw, now I, John, saw and heard these things. This is personal testimony. Um, you can take it or leave it. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And the angel said to me, see that you don't do that. He's just an angel. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, very importantly, he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. What do you think that means? Don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Don't hide them. Don't stay quiet. You know, the world's going crazy. We know the truth. What if we just hide out here and keep it all to ourselves? We could have a sweet little club, right? The angel says, don't seal this up. You know, when we talked about the great white throne judgment, and this is speculation, this is not 
not something that is explicit as we read through, but I wonder, I really think that I will be at the great white throne judgment as a spectator. I won't be being judged, but I'll be there. And can you imagine, I, I can't really, I don't, know, I don't know what we'll experience, but there will be people where we've failed to tell them, we've failed to proclaim, we've sealed up the words of God, we've sealed up, you know, all, what he's given us. We haven't disclosed anything to them and they will be judged and we failed them. You know, Ezekiel speaks of that same concept. You know, if you see a city, if you're on the wall as a watchman and, you know, armies are coming and you don't sound an alarm, who's guilty for their blood? Well, that would be me. If I failed to, if I just seal up everything. Look, there's a time, and I know it's really, it's kind of like, I'm supposed to say as a pastor, like, well, show people with your actions, and that's good enough. There are times when it's not good enough, and you need to be bold to say something. You need to be bold because Jesus was bold to say a lot of things, and he died for us for the things that he said and did. So the doing is important, but the saying is important too. And do it the way that he tells you to, because he will lead us in how to accomplish those things. Just don't seal up the words of this book. There are churches that avoid this book, especially, Revelation especially. They just think it's too hard to understand. It's not. Tell people about what it says. Tell people about the millennial kingdom. Tell people about a new heaven and a new earth. Tell people that something's coming where God will wipe away every tear. No sorrow, no pain. All the former things have passed away. And make sure that you tell them that the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars will not have a part in this coming kingdom. Don't leave that out. And people will dislike you for that. But you'll be obeying God's word and not just pleasing man when you tell them those things. In verse 11, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. You're going to say things to people. You're going to do things. Show people that you've been changed by God's love in the way that you love and serve them. And people are going to, some are going to accept it, some are going to reject it, and some are just going to keep on going the way that they're going. And you know, at some point, your responsibility is to be faithful to God's Word, and the results are up to Him and the people that you have shown His love and spoken of His love to. You know, some will stay unjust, some will stay filthy, some will change and, you know, be made righteous by God. It's their choice. It's our choice to not seal up the words of this book. Jesus speaks again, verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. I don't know, the little boy inside of me just says, Man, God, God knows that I am motivated by reward. Like when I have Judah work for me, when he knows he's getting paid, different than when he knows he's not getting paid, for sure. Like, and you can say, well, he should do, and he does, he does chores for nothing, and he does work sometimes for something. But look, God says clearly, he says, there's a reward for following me. Just believe me, guys. Behold, I am coming quickly. I'm coming back soon. And my reward is with me. It's in me to give to everyone according to his work. So what's the work of God? When the Gospel of John, Jesus is asked, you know, 
by a group of people. They say, what should we do that we could do the works of God? And Jesus says, believe on the one that he sent. Believe on the one he sent. Believe to the point of following, to the point of losing your life so you can find it. To, to the point of taking up your cross, understanding your own sin, that you need to die, and receiving the newness of life that Jesus had. Look, some people think, and I just heard a, a good brother of mine, uh, you know, Greg, uh, uh, he was sharing, and you know, when I heard it at first, it can be hard to hear at first. But there are things to do. There is work to be done, you know. Um, people say, well, we're saved by grace, not by works. Absolutely. But because of the love that God has shown me, He's called me to do things now that I know Him and that I've seen the love that He demonstrated for me. Um, how can I explain this, right? Think, oh, we just got to believe and then heaven is ours. Look, belief looks like following after Jesus. It looks like doing things. If I tell my wife I love her, and she says, how have you shown me, and I don't have any good response, my love is meaningless, right? If I tell my kids, hey, I love you, but I yell at them, I scream at them, I don't want them to be around, I want them to disappear, really, that's not love. I can say it all day, right? And Jesus is, is saying, look, work, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Come after me. I don't love I don't love him to be saved. I love him in response for what he did for me and it's the only right response. He says I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And you know, there's a lot of different ways you can read that. He's the beginning and the end. He started it all, he's going to finish it all. But I like the first and the last because it reminds me that God is not going to desert us at any point in time along the way. Yeah, I'm going to try to love my wife. I'm going to try to love my kids. I'm going to try to love people around me. I'm going to try to love even my enemies, Scripture says. But I'm going to fail Him. Are, are we? Are we all going to fail Him many times in many ways? And yet His promise is, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. That means He's with us all the way through. And he wants to keep changing us. He wants to change us to prepare us for eternity, where service is reigning and reigning is serving. Blessed are those who do His commandments. You know, look, 14 may stand in opposition to a wishy-washy gospel that doesn't involve you responding in any way to God's love. But that's not the real gospel. The real gospel is Jesus died for you and He says, Come follow me. It's your choice to come follow Him. He says that's something to do. That's not you earning your salvation. That's you saying, I am saved because of what you did for me, and it matters to me, so I'm going to respond. That's not a life of moral perfection, because that's not going to come to you ever on this side of eternity. But that is you taking seriously the words of this book and keeping them and going forward. And thank God there's grace. This book ends with grace. If it didn't end with grace, if the last closing outline you know, of, of, of Revelation was, hey, I'm watching out to see if you screw up, and when you do, you're out of the kingdom. Boy, we'd all be, we'd all be lost. Let's give up hope right now. But he doesn't say that. But that doesn't mean there's not work to be done. There's not love to be poured out on other people. Right? I don't know what that means for you, but it means that I need to keep growing. I need to keep growing in love, in grace, in humility. All the things the Scripture says we need to grow in. 
He says, blessed are those who do his commandments. Not that just listen to them, not that just say, oh yeah, that's probably true, but those that do them, that respond. And look, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates in the city. Look, there's a lot of talk about rights, and I don't want to keep beating this like a dead horse. A lot of talk about rights in the United States right now. A lot of talk about rights in churches right now. Look, my only guaranteed right in the universe is that his city, his eternity, his love is open to me. That can't be taken away from me. This country could fall apart tomorrow, and my right to pursue happiness, my right to life, my right to vote, my right to, you know, have my own money and my own property, that could all disappear. I have one right that's eternal, and it's given to me, it came to me, life proceeded to me from the very throne of God. His choice, His love, His decision, His grace. That's the right that I'm going to hold on to. It cannot be lost. Verse 15, but outside, outside the city are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. And I know I'm going fast, guys, and I want to kind of be timely, but I want to, I want to get through the end of this, and we're going to get there. Outside are dogs and sorcerers. You know, that may, that may throw you for like, we're in this beautiful section about an eternity with God and His grace and His love and no sorrow, no death, no pain, right? And He's calling people dogs. Yeah, the Bible calls people dogs that refuse to turn from their sins, that love a lie and will not turn to God's free gift of grace. There's water given out that, you know, water of life comes, you know, in, in chapter 21. He, um, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And there are people that reject, reject that. And those that reject it, God says they're dogs. They're dogs. Right? That, may, that may kind of sting a little bit, but let me tell you my past and my history. It was verses like verse 15, outside the kingdom, outside the new heavens and the new earth are dogs and sorcerers, that, that sorcery, pharmacia, drug use, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, anybody that worships anything else other, other than God, whoever loves and practices a lie. It's verses like verse 15 that really led to my salvation, and here's why. Because I was a church kid. I was generally, in my own mind, I thought I was a pretty good person. Except when I read verses like that. And they told me that the immoral, the sexually immoral, specifically in my life, I would not enter the kingdom of God. And I'm very glad that the Word of God plainly said that. Because if it didn't, I would think I was A-OK. -okay. But this verse proved that there were things in my life that had to change that had to be turned away from. Look, I turned to Him, and that meant turning away from something. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters. Whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Boy, we can say a lot about that. You know, no mention of church all the way through the Great Tribulation. We read about churches in Revelation 3, and we read about them in Revelation 22. Where is the church during the Great Tribulation? We're the bride of Christ. We're on our honeymoon with Him. I am the root and the offspring of David. I was before David, I'm after David. I came from David. True in the Old Testament. And the bright and morning star. 
you know, illuminating the darkness. And the Spirit, I love verse 17, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. You know, all of these hard things where he says, you know, these are the people that are going to remain outside of eternal life. He says in verse 17, the Spirit of God, God Himself is saying, do you want that to change? Then come. The Bride, that's us, that's the church. We should be saying to other people, come on in. It's free. It was paid at His expense. Just let your life go. It doesn't satisfy you anyway. The water you're drinking, you know, whatever you're drinking is not satisfying your soul. Just come with me and receive what He has to offer. Come. The Spirit says, come. The church should be saying, and let him who hears, you know, this is God's desire. Let him who hears say, come. That means like, let the one that hears say, all right, I'm coming. I want this. I look around and I have nothing here. Nothing that's eternal. Nothing that's going to last forever. Nothing that's truly satisfy me. I want this. And let him who thirsts come. Man, if you're thirsty, you know, we don't come to God because we're awesome. We come to God and we're blessed when we're poor in spirit. When we realize that we are spiritually impoverished and we can't change from being a dog, a sorcerer, a sexually immoral murderer, idolater, anything, a liar, any of those things, cowardly, unbelieving. We need Him to change us. And He says, come to me and I can do that. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. So really the only question is, do you want it? Do you want it? You know, I don't know if I ever said what my friend Greg said, but here's what he actually said. He said, you know, as we read the Bible, just understand this is not just for a select group of people that are mystical and spiritual and somehow figure it out and we're all just stuck on the plane of like, oh, I wish I could be them. He said, if you want it, come and get it. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And that may sound like work, but we just read, keep the commandments. Do the commandments. God said, you get coming to me and understand that it's free what I did for you and respond to it. That's our choice. Nobody ever can make that choice for us or for you or for me. Whoever desires, whoever wants this, wants an eternity with God, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. John says this specifically. If you add to these things, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Look, read that again on your own time. But understand, we live in a world that says, well, you know, I know that... And I can be like this too. Well, I know the Bible says this... But, and then they throw in their two cents like it's worth more than what God said. No, it's not worth more than what God said. And John signs off, really, at the end of this book, whether he's referring to Revelation of the entire Bible, I think it's either way, right? He says, don't change it. It does not need to be changed. Don't try to trivialize it. Don't try to make it all symbols. Don't try to diminish its power. Don't mess with my word because you're not true. I'm true. You need to conform to the truth that's in my word, not make my word subvert, submit to what you believe is true and what you believe is good. People all over are doing that. 
And we'll be, we'll be called fundamentalists. We'll be called a lot of names because we just say, no, I believe him. I believe the one that created the universe. I believe the one that laid down his life for a person like me. I wasn't even good, you know? Sometimes good people will die for other good people, but Jesus didn't die for me because I'm good. I believe this guy. I believe his words. And John says, don't take away, don't add, don't remove a thing. You need it all. I need it all, guys. Don't mess with Scripture. Believe, receive, and follow it. And he who testifies to these things, this is Jesus again, it's the last thing Jesus says. Last words, guys, are important. You know, someday, many of us will experience that with people that we love, whether it's parents, or an uncle, or a grandparent. We'll have a chance to, to hear what they say at the end of their life. Right? And it's not as if Jesus is dying here. But it's the last thing we hear of him. Last words are important. What Jesus is signing off, he says, I'm coming back. I'm coming quickly. Surely, I am coming quickly. That's something for each one of us to wrestle with. Is he, is he telling us the truth? Are we living in light of his sure return? John says, Amen, I can't wait. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. What's our greatest need in life? It's the person of Jesus Christ. How do we have that? How do we have peace with God and a relationship with Him? We don't achieve it. We don't earn it. It's a gift. Freely given. We receive it. We believe it. And we walk in it. Uh, look around the parking lot. Man, life is not... I don't know, as I've gotten older, I don't think life has gotten more simple. I think it's gotten crazier. The one thing that does not change is one thing that always remains true. There's one love that never runs dry. One person that will not betray you ever. One place, one eternity, one God, one church, one brotherhood. Look, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. And we're lied to every day by this world, by our flesh, by the devil. Oh, there's something else out there that's better. Did God really say don't eat of that fruit? He did. Trust Him. Believe Him. He's enough. He's everything we need and everything we want. And in eternity, He'll prove that in reality. In a really physical way that I can't wait for. So look, I've loved going through Revelation. What an amazing book. We're going to watch as God proves every one of these words true. Whether it happens in my lifetime or I'm there looking down. I don't know how it's going to go, guys. But I'm ready. Are you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you give us, every single person that ever has lived, the opportunity to respond to it. Lord, in Titus... You said that the grace of God has appeared to all men. Jesus has appeared to all men. Teaching us, Lord, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts is something to turn away to from. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for, looking towards, looking forward to the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. 
that he might redeem us, change us, buy us back from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people that are zealous for good works. Lord, I pray that that would be us when we pray these things in your name. Amen. Look, if you need prayer, you need somebody to talk to, there's tons of people here. I'm willing to. Any of the guys around the parking lot would love to pray for you or with you. And uh, if you don't know him, you have not come, look, the only thing that's holding you back is you. The only thing that's holding you back is you. His love is open. He's ready to receive you. Um, grace and peace, guys.